at it. But you and I that experienced that, we remember that day and just the challenge and, and the anxiety. And then, of course, this past week, as they was saying that this would be the storm of the century. And, uh, and by the way, uh, I, I know we, did, we didn't, after the, after the fact, we looked back and said, well, we didn't have to cancel church. I know that. But when you have to make a decision on Friday, and they're saying we're not going to have power, you've got to make a decision. Somebody's got to make it. So, And I, I guess that falls to me. Amen. But anyway, uh, and, but they were saying it would be the storm of the century. And uh, now praise God it wasn't. Praise God it wasn't. But with that in mind, it's in my heart to help us, every one of us here, there's times in our Christian life we need to just stop and renew our trust. And tonight, with the help of God, that's what I want to preach on, renewing our trust. Psalms chapter 11, let's stand together. It's just seven verses. And um, so that's read. Amen. In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain. For lo, the wicked bend their bow, they make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may probably shoot at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, His eyelids try the children of men. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall arrange snares, fire and brimstone, and a horrible tempest, this shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. Verse 1, one more time. In the Lord put I my trust. What are you trusting tonight, dear friend? All of us are trusting something. What are you trusting in? Where is your trust put? Let's look at this and see what the Lord would have us to learn. Let's go to the throne of grace. Matthew, how about you praying? Amen. You can be seated. September the 11th, 2001, terrorists flew commercial planes into the Twin Towers and literally shook the foundations of America's financial system 
and military headquarters and the world. America's security had never been quite shaken like that before. The closest thing, perhaps, would have been Pearl Harbor. That day, over almost 3,000 people were perished. And Jesus, Jesus told a parable about a man who built his house. Because it's one thing for certain, our foundations were shaken. I mean, I remember, uh, to my amazement, the bars and the ABC stores and the liquor joints had Pray for America. Pray for America. It was amazing. It was amazing that everywhere you went, everywhere you went, people had signs, Pray for America. And it was amazing that day we got knocked to our knees. But the sad thing was we got up. Lord, we would have done well to just stay there. We would have just done well. And the Lord told a parable about a man building his house. A man building his house on sand and the wind and the rain and the storms came and because of a faulty foundation, it fell, and great was the fall of it. Then he talked about the house built on a rock. And the storms came, and just like the other one, we're not exempt from the storms. I'm glad God allowed this storm to kind of just, just uh, wind, spin out to nothing and didn't really affect us, but it could have. There's nothing exempt about it that says it couldn't have, but a house that's built on a, on a rock, it'll stand. Psalms chapter 11 was written when David was married to Saul's daughter Michael and, and uh, uh, Saul's son Jonathan was his a steadfast friend. Uh, and, and it was a time when the nation was cheering louder for David than they was Saul. Remember the story the women were called? Saul has killed his thousands, but David's killed his ten thousands. And, and Saul was jealous and throwing javelins at him every chance he got, trying to kill him. And Psalms, during this dangerous and nerve-wracking time, Psalms 11 was written. And it was a psalm where David is coming to God and saying, I want to renew my trust. Now I trust you, but I I want to renew that. I want to make that more sure. I want to make that steadfast. Again, I ask the question, what are you trusting We're all trusting something. Every person has got their trust in something. What are you trusting? We find here as he begins to renew. Notice number one, if you got your hand out there. Number one, a renewed, here's the word, faith. 
a renewed faith in the Lord put I my trust. He's making a very, a very pointed and dogmatic statement. In the Lord put I my trust. He's literally renewing a faith. Renewed faith. Colonel Jeffrey Leary of the United States Air Force wrote a book after 9-11. Where was God in his tragedy? And uh, he, he wrote the book and it was truly based on what didn't happen. Not so much on what did happen, but what didn't happen. For instance, American Airlines Flight 77 had 289 seats, but only 64 people on board. American Airlines Flight 11 had 251 seats, only 92. Uh, first, were only 64 people aboard. That was 92 people aboard. United Airlines Flight 171 had 351 seats available, but only 45 people on board. United Airlines Flight 93 had 289 seats available, but only 45 people were aboard. It is, it is thought that of the 75,000 potential victims that day, more than 93% survived that wicked, wicked act. Where was God? Where was God when this tragedy happened? He was the same place he was on 19, 2001. He was on his throne. Well, where's God when the things come to our life and the heartaches and the tragedies? Same place he is right tonight. He's on his throne. And may I say, he'll remain on his throne regardless of what this sin-crushed world does. You see, we in America, and I, I love our nation, I do, but I, I fear since 2001, when we have seen signs everywhere, pray for America, you never see those no more. You never see them. I mean, literally, you do not. You know why? Because we are putting our trust in other places. Notice, A, we have put our trust in Wall Street. Just as the people that invested in Enron and Chrysler and Bank of America, thousands and thousands and thousands of people lost everything in their life investing in Enron. It was nothing but a house with a sandy foundation. And when it crashed, it crashed. Big time. Oh, don't ever put your trust in the material things of this world. Are you listening? 
Are you listening? John W. Rockefeller, one of the richest men in the world, said this. I have made millions, but they have brought me no happiness. W.H. Vanderbilt built the, the uh, uh, mansion, that family built a mansion in uh, Biltmore House, that, that great mansion up there said this. I have made millions, but they have brought me no happiness. Henry Ford stated this. I was happier when I was doing a mechanic's job. Now, it's not that money's bad. It is when you put your trust in money, then you're setting yourself up for being very unhappy. Andrew Carnegie said, Millionaires seldom smile. Listen to this. Money will buy you a bed, but not sleep. Books, but not brains. Food, but not appetite. Finery, but not beauty. A house, but not a home. Now, I ain't forgot what I'm going to say. I'm going to to soak in. I think the saddest thing is people to have a house that never becomes a home. Medicine, but not health. Luxuries, but not culture. Amusement, but not happiness. Religion, but not salvation. A passport to anywhere and everywhere, but to heaven. Psalm 62, 10 says, Trust not in oppression, and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. It's not the money. It is the trust that we put to it. What are you trusting in? Some put their trust in Wall Street. Second B, some put their trust in Washington. If we could just get them Republicans out of office, if we can just put some Democrats in there, or if we can get the Democrats out of Congress, we can put some Republicans. I'm going to tell you what, if you could just, uh, I don't believe in shooting nobody, but if you could just move all of them out and junk the whole mess, you'd be better off. If you're up in your trust in Washington... David wrote this in the Psalms when he was living in the court of King Saul. And he was troubled by what was taking place in Israel politically. God established governments for our good and thank God for godly men and godly women. But unfortunately, Washington has turned this thing in to the most corrupt the craziest, I mean the stupidest thing, you said you shouldn't say stupid, I said stupidest thing that's ever been, they're fighting over the silliest, foolish things I've ever met. I tell you, we're going to do an investigation. Something happened to this fellow 50 years ago, and we're going to investigate. My goodness, the country's going down, and been destroyed, and you're worried about that. Crazy. It is absolutely crazy. Mark Twain once said, America is a nation without a distinct criminal class. 
with the possibility of the exception of Congress. I'm telling you, it is the most corrupt. And I, and I'm for, I'm for government. I'm for, I think we'll pray for our leaders. But if you're putting your trust in that, I, I'll tell you what I want you to do. Why don't you come and, and, and ask Eddie how much the, the state and government has helped him with Kathy? And the hoops, I mean, the hoops we've had to jump through just to get her some help and still not got it done yet. Number three, C. Don't put your faith, boy, here's a big one, worldly wisdom. I didn't say godly wisdom, worldly wisdom. How many's got your Bible tonight? Amen. Got your Bible? Why don't we start putting, instead of getting our face in Facebook, why don't we put our face in this book? I'm amazed at how much people put more confidence in what they, what was it when you was asking me? Somebody said there was, what a whale in Lake Rhodes there's a well in Roadheads headed towards Castle Bridge. Now I'm going to tell you something. What's really sad? No doubt someone down the riverside. I'm going to see this. It's crazy. Don't put your faith in worldly wisdom. Psalms 111.10 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We need a Holy Ghost revival of the fear of God again. We don't fear Him. You say, how do you know? The way we treat Him. We don't fear Him. Oh my, He's the greatest help we got. A good understanding of all they that do His commandments. His praise endureth forever. Think about the worldly wisdom. School's got started. And our children are taught this. Are you listening young people? That everybody and everybody, everything is to be accepted and tolerant. Homosexuals, abortionists, and ever ungodly thing, you are taught to accept that as right. I'm amazed. I'm amazed at this. I am, I'm, Makes my little head spin sometimes. How many people take the worldly wisdom that hates God, hates everything about God, and says, well, well, I I just want to be like the world. Why do you want to be like the world? They hate God. They hate God. They always hated God. And all I don't miss is, if you don't take a stand against that, then you'll become like them. Yeah. Trust in worldly wisdom. Some trust in Psalms 27. Some trust in chariots. Some in horses. But we remember the name of the Lord our God. David said, 
in the Lord, in the Lord put I my trust. Don't want to be difficult tonight, but some of you would have to go to the hospital, nervous breakdown, if all of a sudden you lost your job tomorrow and insurance. You would absolutely go crazy because that is what you're putting your trust in. That's what you're trusting in. Praise God. We need a renewed faith. I'm talking about how many of you believe God? How many of you believe God? I'm talking about more than that. I'm talking about believing God till it affects what you do. I'm, I'm weary with people saying, well, I tell you, I believe God, but then they don't do what God says to do. No, you don't believe God. No. You like the little girl. Mama stood her in the corner and said, go st- sit down in the corner. She goes on and plops down. So I'm sh- sitting down the outside. Not on the inside, I'm standing up. That's exactly where we live our lives because we're trusting in everything else. We're trusting. Renewed faith. Number two, a refused flight. Notice, number two, a refused flight. In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? What David was saying here is this. They're telling him, man, you better run for cover. You better run for cover. You can't run from a crisis. You can't run from trouble. And you can't escape it in a bottle of booze or a bottle of pills. And you can't escape it with the drug man, the dope man, or the dope man's on the corner or at CVS pharmacy. Either way, it's still the dope. You can't, you can't run from it. You can't flee to it. You can't run. We got refused flight. How many of you, and that's, that's good on, ain't nobody here but us. How many of you, Boy, in times of real trials, you just wanted to run. I mean, just you just wanted to run. You wanted to load up everything, go find your cabin up in the mountains, and and get you some good mean dogs and the guns and pork and beans and die anybody show up. I mean, that's just what you want. You want to run. I got a preacher friend. I love this man. I, I do. I love him dearly. And I, I bet you about every six months. He'll call pastors of a large church in the city. Got a good, great ministry. Uh, great bus ministry. About every six months he'll call me. He said, Pastor, I've been, I've been thinking about just getting me a little church up in the mountains. And, and, and I said, well, I like can mountain people. Just a church. You know what he's just saying? He, he's, he said, well, I wish I could just run. I wish I could just run. I wish I could just run. I wish I could run. In a time of trials, people have a tendency, if they're not trusting God, if 
fight or flight. They don't want to justify why they're doing what they're doing. And I'm going to tell you, we are, I need an amen here now. This is good. We are masters at justifying, disobeying God. We are masters at it. God commands something. We know the command. And we'll, we'll say, well, but God, you don't understand. You just don't understand. You just, no, no, he don't understand. By the way, he don't understand. He understands you're disobeying him. He knows he, he said you, you're not trusting him. And we got to refuse the flight. Because when we run, when we run, here's what we're doing. Number A, got your piece of paper. Number we're denying the sovereignty of God. We're denying the sovereignty of God. Do the best you can to spell that. If you're writing it, you'll know what it says when you read it later. The sovereignty of God. Sovereignty of God is just simply this. God's almighty and all powerful. Psalms 11, 4, the Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord's throne is in the heaven. His eyes are you listening? His eyes behold. He sees you. No matter where you're at or what you're doing, He sees you. You can't hide. Are you? You can't. Hide. There's no hiding place. Well, I got by with that. Oh no, you didn't. You didn't get by with nothing. Are you listening? Oh, his eyelids try the children of men. He says, I'm watching everything you're doing. In my eyelids. He's not even lifting a finger to do this. He's blinking at you. And he's trying you. He's judging you. Wow. Wow. Dr. S.M. Lockridge, the black pastor from San Diego, in his day, he heard an announcement. God is dead. The next Sunday, he said, I heard that God is dead. But now I thought, hold it, wait a minute. If God is dead, who assassinated him? What coroner was called? Who signed his death certificate? In what obituary column did you find the announcement? And why wasn't I notified? I'm a member of the family, one of the next of kin. God doesn't die by assassination, by pronouncement, no, or by denial. I don't care what he says. I don't care what the Bible says. Don't change God more than me. I don't believe. I'm going to shock you. Hang on. Buckle yourself in. 
what you and I believe does not change God one bit. Oh, yes, we've got this. I believe. Well, because you believe it, you know, uh, doesn't change God in what he said. Doesn't change his word. Doesn't change his command. He was God with Adam and Eve. He was God while he walked on earth. And may I say, he's still God tonight. He's still God tonight. God refused flight because it denies the sovereignty. If, if we in this group here, if you right here could, could grab that, if you could grab that and really truly believe it and live your life like you believe that, it could turn this church upside down and your family upside down for the glory of God because you would believe that God was God enough to be in charge of your life. Number two, they deny the strength of God. When we fight, when we run, when we flee to the mountain, we're saying, Lord, you're just not able to take care of my family. You're saying, Lord... Multitude of families curse. You curse your family every week. Curse them because you rob God and don't believe He can do more with ninety percent than you'll ever do with a hundred. How many knows that to be truth? God, I know that to be truth. You know, it's denying. His strength. The Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Many are possessed with the spirit of fear. Some of you carry guns. Tomorrow you would do good. To go out in your backyard, pull your gun out, and shoot. What if? You need to shoot if. You need to shoot it. You need to shoot it dead in a hammer. Because what if keeps a multitude of people from living in faith? Believing in fear. What? 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 What if? What if? What if? Won't you shoot if? Fill him full of holes. If you ain't got a gun, get your butcher knife. Lay it to him. Then pull up on it so you make sure he's dead. We need, some of you need to bury your if. What if? What if? You realize this, you'll have that all your life. What if there's an accident? You realize every time you get on the road, there's an accident. There's a, there's a possibility of an accident. What if? 
Well, what if never shows up? What if never amounts to nothing? What if we just shoot him? If is the greatest thief of us doing things for God. We, we don't witness. What if they get mad? What if they, I don't, they ask me a question. What, what if they get upset? What if? What if? What if? Shoot if and then go do it anyway. See, because you're denying the strength of God. A young boy is traveling by airplane to visit his grandparents. And he sat down beside of a preacher. And uh, the boy was reading his Sunday school book. Praise God. You know, Sunday school book. That book we give you to read. You know, Sunday school book. And uh, lesson number uh, September the 23rd. You know that one. And uh, the preacher thought, I'm going to have some fun with this little kid. He said, Son, you tell me something God can do. I give you a shiny apple. The boy sat down for a little while. He said, Mister, you tell me something God can't do. I'll give you a whole barrel of apples. God can do anything. God can do anything. See, we we show a lack of faith when we think our situation. It's just too big to handle. I, I found myself thinking this week about that Tuesday morning. And uh, 9-11, we opened up the church doors. And, um, and it was amazing. We was in a little white church down here. And it was amazing. First young man at the door was a young man told me, I'd visited him two or three times. He said, I'm an atheist. He would tell me in his yard, I'm an atheist. I don't believe there is a God. And I tried to reason with him. That Tuesday, he was the first one in the door. I said, what are you doing here? You don't believe there is a God. He said, well, maybe there is. If there is, we need to be praying to him. And he come in and prayed. And uh, I got to thinking. I got to thinking. For weeks, churches were filled. Our church was filled. How sad it is today that we don't see the need of that because we've decided I'm going to do it in my own strength. Adrian Rogers said, God promises are not to be cross-stitched and framed and hung on a wall. They ought to be taken to the bank of heaven and cast in as a promissory note. I like that. Renewed faith, a refused flight. And then number three, a restored foundation. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? David's question was almost a cry in despair. He could see the throne, the establishment of foundations being undermined by wicked men. Foundation means a settled order of things. 
And he watched as he seen one foundation after another, after another, after another. Then he wrote it. See, you may not believe this, but America was founded on principles of order, truth, justice, morality, decency, and integrity. Patrick Henry said this. He said, It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was what Patrick Henry said. John Jay, the first president of the Continental Congress and first chief justice of the United States said, Providence has given tribe people the choice of the rulers and it is a duty as well as the privilege and interest of a Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for the rulers. But we have abandoned the great colleges started out being Christian colleges to train preachers and now they're about as corrupt as corrupt can be. Now we've come to a country of whatever I'm feeling feels good to it. Vance Hebner said it's high time that something that something persecution is necessary broke up the complacency complacency that makes missionaries our mere church members. It's been said the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. See, I'm, the foundations are being destroyed. And I fear the foundations are being destroyed even in our best churches. How have they been destroyed? Because of this. We know truth. We've been in church long enough. We know truth. We're not ignorant of it. But when that truth is given, we just simply say, no, I'm not going to do that. I know what the Bible says, but you don't understand. No, I don't understand. If God said it, what is there to understand? And we have come to the place. We're here. Tell me what the Lord wants me to do, then I'll decide if I'm going to do it. There was a day, all the Lord had to do was tell you, and it was done. See the foundations. We're destroying the foundations. John Phillips said there's two alternatives that God could do. Option number one. It could be revival. There's nothing like an old-fashioned Holy Ghost revival for cleaning up a corrupt society. The devil has never learned how to handle revival. And I would like to submit to you, we got a great church. I think we got one of the best churches. But 75% of our church never experienced revival. A God-given, life-changing, Holy Ghost. 
I mean heart-moving revival. It's amazing. And the devil has never learned how to cope with that. I've been today, 27 years ago, today, 27 years ago, at around 5 o'clock in the evening, I bowed beside a gurney and told the Lord I want my daddy's mantle. And I knew that mantle was to preach. 27 years ago today, I surrendered to preach. And I don't know if I've not seen but just one revival, the closest thing I've seen to revival in my lifetime. I don't think I've ever seen but one. I mean, lives were changed. People in the altar, weeping. Not in a hurry. They took an offering up. I'm talking about Baptist people. One offering over $30,000. Baptist. That's a miracle itself. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. People would drive down the road on 321 and they would come to, they said they don't know why we had to get off the exit and come back. And they would stand in the tent and would not come in for fear. They said, go ask the preachers to come out here and talk with us. Well, I'm, I'm longing for a revival like that again. But you know where that starts? That starts with you and I. This church could have revival. There is no reason this church could not have revival. But it's going to start with you and I. Are you listening? It's going to start with you and I obeying God in whatever He says to do. Quit making excuses. Quit making arguing with God. Quit giving God our justification. Quit giving God why we can't obey Him. And just if we just obeyed God... It would be amazing. You would see God move in one of the greatest ways. We'd see God touch young people. We'd see God touch His children. We would see God do things like you had never seen in your lifetime. But then there's a second option. And that option is this. Not revival, but ruin. God could just as easily rapture the church out of this mess. He could I don't find any reason why God could not come tonight. I don't find any reason why. God just... And the only reason I know of now is just long-suffering. And so tonight, if you're not saved, I'm going to tell you something. You're under the long-suffering and the grace of an almighty God. And if you're not saved, you had better get about doing it you better get serious. Because we're crossing boundaries today. That, that's... I, I got, I'm going to preach this Sunday. When the Lord... When the Lord flooded... When sin in, in Genesis was so bad that God destroyed the earth with water, He come right in behind that and said... I'm going to give you a rainbow to show you I'll never flood the world again like that. Every judgment that God extended, He always gave a remedy or a promise to say, I'm not going to do that again. But I'm going to tell you, 
When he come to Sodom, he didn't do that. Sodom was a city without a remedy. And Romans chapter 1 tells us there's some sins that's without remedy. And we are close to getting to that place right now in the United States of America. So I'm telling you, if you're not saved, you ought to be about being saved. But God could send revival. Then God could send ruin. But tonight, what we need to do, you and I, every person here, number one, we need to renew our trust. Renewed faith. Some of you need to refuse flight. You got to quit this running. Got to quit this running. From You just got to quit this running. And, and many of you need to restore the foundations. We need to restore the foundations of our home. Joshua said this, it's for me and my house. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I like that. Restore the foundation. We need to restore the foundations. And the best way I know to restore a foundation is start obeying God and the commandments that we are. Not what you don't know, it's what you do know. All right? Let's all stand to our feet. Here tonight, we need to renew our trust.